0: you Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Pod and The Pendulum, the podcast covering all the horror movie franchises, one movie in one episode at a time. As always, I'm your host, Mike Snoonian, and we have returning acolytes this week. We have expanded the mix a little bit here, uh, returning to bring all of her knowledge of The Saw franchise which you know thank god we have that here uh we have ari hellraiser ari power shop ari how are we this week
1: doing great super stoked to talk about this movie with you guys
0: excellent i am excited to have you on and returning once again he is the uh co-host of the specter cinema film club we have mr devon taylor devon how are we hello listeners i would like to play a game
2: for years you have been listening to the Pod and Pendulum on your morning commute, and maybe you listen to half an episode, and then you pause and claim to save it for later. But today, for this episode, if you like to survive, all you have to do is listen to the full two-hour episode in one
0: sitting. Hey. Are you suggesting that our listeners don't finish, that they give up on us midway through? Okay. That's also your, it's 10 a.m. in Los Angeles, and we have you recording way too early voice right now. Is I like. actually didn't, but I didn't close last night, though, so
2: so I'm, I'm fresh. This is maybe the Good freshest morning I've had on Pod and Pendulum in quite a minute, so.
0: Excellent. But well, we also have a special guest with us today. She is a contributor to Ghouls Magazine and also the reviews editor for THN and has bylines at Arrow Film. Let's welcome Kat Hughes for the first time as a guest on The Pod of the Pendulum. Kat, how are we?
3: I am very good. Thank you for taking a chance on uh, this little Brit. I am very excited to talk all things Soul.
0: Always happy to have the folks from overseas on, always happy to go across the pond because... Let's face it, the accent makes our show sound much smarter than it is.
3: Well, face- I mean, you, you say that. I just hope you guys can understand me. So I was at, at Fright Fest covering the media wall last weekend, and there was a Frenchman who, every time I asked him a question, he asked me to repeat it, and then he eventually just went, you have the worst accent of everybody on this media line. I cannot wow. understand the words you say. And I'm like, I'm really sorry. <laughs> like, I'm so what? sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. from him and I'm common. I'm so sorry.
2: Perpetrating the French asshole-like stereotype Jeez. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Exactly, um, I mean his his film was great, but that encounter was was not the best way to uh, endear himself to me.
0: No, absolutely not. Half a star taken off at <laughs> at Fantasia this past summer. Like I was at a movie like uh, Tokyo Revengers two part one, and. The director's Japanese, so he was speaking in Japanese with the translator, and the host was only speaking French. So I'm like, yeah, I'm completely lost. Like, half the audience is laughing, and I'm like, I have no idea what's going on right now, but I'll laugh too, because I don't want to be left out. So, all right, we are here to talk about <laughs> 2005's Saw 2 today, the second of what's going to be like 11 episodes on this franchise. So, strap in listeners. And let's start off with our initial reactions to this movie. And I guess, Kat, as our guest, do you mind kicking things off? So,
3: Saw 2 is, I mean, it's not going to be a secret shame anymore, but Saw 2 is the only Saw film that I did not see in the theaters when it released. Um, I saw the first one, I loved the first one, and the second one came out. And I would have seen it at the cinema, but the guy I was seeing was a douche that didn't, really like horror and was like No, we're not going to cinema to see that we saw the first one um so it still it still hurts to this he's day he's an that ex I didn't get right? to see it. oh he's a very definite ex okay yes yeah <laughs> <Yes. sure. laughs> yeah. no was that um, the
0: breaking point was sought to the line of demarcation
3: well i guess it was sort of like when i realized that no no he really doesn't like get me and my liking of horror I think he begrudgingly because I used to work at Blockbuster so he begrudgingly watched it when it came out to rent Mm. um but yeah he was not interested in seeing it by the cinema and by Saw 3 he was a distant memory so excellent (laughs) there might be something yeah there might be something to that (laughs) but yeah I mean I, I enjoyed when I did eventually watch it I did enjoy it it's nastier than the first one um I think nobody you're never over the needle pit you know no matter how many years it's been you're never over that needle pit scene so it it went to a lot more places than, than the first one did. i mean the, saying that the first one the barbed wire i can't watch it i can't watch that scene um but then the, yeah the needle pit traumatized me i really liked what they did with still managing to sort of trick you a little bit in in terms of its its story it's like they keep getting you. You think, you, you know, you think you've got it sussed, but they keep getting you. So, yeah, it's so, all.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I, I enjoy Saw too. I enjoy all the Saw films.
0: Okay. Do you find now, this is kind of off topic, and this is why we record for three and a half hours, I guess. Um, do you find now that going to the movies alone is one of life's, like, great pleasures? Like, I have found in the past few years going to theaters by myself, like, nothing better. I enjoy that almost more than anything.
3: Yeah, so I, um, in between Saw 2 and Saw 3, I actually started working at a cinema. So I started going, like, in between shifts and things, I started going on my own. And now I have a four year old, and since she's been born, me and my husband take it in shifts. So, like, I'll go to a tea time show, and then he'll go to an evening show that there's always somebody to to look after look after mm-hmm. my daughter and yeah i mean you, you go to the cinema and you sit in the dark and quiet anyway so i don't yeah. i don't need that person next to me the only reason i kind of need that person next to me is so that i'm not sitting next to a complete stranger um mm-hmm. you know and and that can easily be solved because over here we have um the cinemas what well, the city world cinemas have an a limitless a limitless card um mm-hmm. which means that you can go and watch as many films as you want for, for one flat fee and so I will often use my husband's ticket to book the seat next to me so I know that I know that my bag's got a seat and I don't have to like offend anybody Uh, but yeah going to the cinema on your own is so good you can completely switch off and just disappear into the film
0: absolutely I love that once I once I got over like the oh like why am I doing this alone type of deal like the stigma around it I'm like this is great like why haven't I been doing this for years so
3: yeah. I will say, as a woman, I have had people, uh, especially in horror films, I've heard people make comments about me being there on my own to see a horror film, like, what's wrong with her? And I've also had men come and sit near me so that I've I'm not that. on my own. Yeah. Um, the best one was I went to see 1917, and I happened to turn up on the row at the same time as another guy and there was a, a couple and he was sitting the other side of the couple, um, to me. So we both came in at the same time and like he went and sat one side of them and I sat the other. And the woman went over to me and Would you like us to move seats? And I was like, I'm sorry said, so you can sit with your husband say, like, I don't know this dude. Like, yeah, we deliberately came to a cinema and decided to sit two <sighs> seats apart. Like no? <laughs> Yeah. It's, it's just, you, but it is that conception you... of a, a woman on her own. Oh no! Well, she, there was a man near her. She must belong to that man. It was yeah, yeah. There's...
0: Were you like, <laughs> well, let me call him. He's at home right now, and see if I can get him to get here in time. So yeah. wow. So that's
3: yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It's because there is Ari... a stigma about going on your own. So
0: there definitely is. Um, I think the only weird thing that's ever happened to me, and this is my fault, was it was a terrifier too. And at one point i started cackling so loud because it was just funny to me that the woman next to me who was on a date and seemed like she was like didn't know what she was in for with this movie was like scooching over in her seat as much as she could to get <laughs> away from me because i was just like laughing hysterically at some of the ridiculousness of that movie um Ari, how about yourself? What are your initial thoughts on this one?
1: Yeah. Um, So it's actually one of my least favorites, but it's still a Saw movie, so I still love it. Um, The ending blew my mind again. You know, you get a twist in the first movie. You get a triple twist at the end of this movie. And it made me fall in love with Amanda. It made me fall in love with Jigsaw. Like the people that we got to spend time with as villains um you know this is where we really get to know them and and enjoy them um and once again the person laying on the floor at the beginning of the movie ends up being the one in charge so like i wouldn't have caught that the first time i watched it it definitely surprised me but um now when i watch it i'm like ah they did that
0: Mm -hmm. excellent good catch i didn't even think of that devon how about yourself Yeah,
2: this one is actually the first Saw movie I actually like saw in in film or in full because um, the very first time I watched the first Saw movie was on a bootleg DVD and we got like halfway and the quality was so bad that we just like had to turn it off. So like I went I went like, I don't know, maybe a decade before I like finally watched like it for like the first time so like this had been for like in my mind like this was kind of always the Saw movie to me um and it kind of you know when you look at now it uh is kind of like it, it shifts a little bit from the first one um but it does kind of start setting the templates for uh some of the formats that we'll see in like later series uh this is like kind of the first group game and I like uh I like the group trials those are always fun for me Um, and, uh, this is, uh, of course, we'll get into this a lot is the, you know, introduction to John Kramer, like improper, you know, we actually get to see a performance out of Tobin Bell. We get, you know, John's personality and things like that, which is uh, definitely fun. And uh, probably the highlight of the film and, uh, and this movie has a big cube energy and, uh, and I really Mm -hmm. love that movie. And, uh, so like, uh, some of the parallels there as far as, uh, this is like, you know, it, despite the first one, him saying, do you want to play a game? That's not really a game. Uh, it, th- this is like actually a game. Like they have, you know, ways out, they have ways that they could win, you know, quote unquote. And, you know, I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit as well of whether these people were, um, actually, you know, had a chance to get out or if they were supposed to be killed all along. That's a, we'll we'll put a pin in that point, but but uh but it is still kind of more the actual death game in this one and uh and this is you know where amanda really gets to shine i think this is her strongest film of the series um it, you know really just like you know she really has to sell you know the you know one of the twists of this one we get multiple twists in this one but uh she she really has to uh kind of sell it and um and and that's really fun to watch and like you know getting to see a you know what we think is going to be a final girl. And it's like, Oh, nope. And she's, she's a villainess now. So, um, that, that's really cool seeing. So Shawnee Smith has gotten to be a true final girl back in the blob, but then now she's uh, gotten to be a, a villain as well, you know? So one of the few that has a, uh, that, that iconic distinction. So uh shout out Shawnee Smith.
0: Yeah. Shawnee Smith is like the co MVP of this movie. I would definitely agree along with Tobin Bell. Um, but my, <sighs> Least Valuable Player is the reason why this is the movie I, I tapped out on Saw after this entry. Uh, I hated this movie upon seeing it in the theaters. Like, really thought it was, like, absolute dreck. And I think that can be really only chalked up to the Donnie Wahlberg of it's all. Like, former new kid on the block. Just... The lesser of the Wahlbergs, and that is saying something right there. He is. Oh, I think you're muted there, Ari.
1: I was just cackling.
0: (laughs) Yeah,
2: just. A little too much sauce on the Wahlburger for you?
0: Oh, God. Those burgers are awful, by the way. They're so bad. Have you had Um, them? Sometimes your kid's hungry, (laughs) and you have to just get something really quick. Oh, for sure. No judgment. I'm going to put money in Mark and Donnie Wahlberg's pockets right now and i feel bad about this but what can you do um so i had tapped out on the series until jigsaw because of this movie i would like i don't have any interest in the others if they're all like this one um it definitely was a marked shift away from like the whodunit of the first movie where you've gone away from like let's figure out who's doing this to us and how to get out and it's a much larger emphasis on the traps and the gore, which I know we're going to talk about here in a little bit. And rewatch like watching the whole series in order and like really binging them over like two days that I am glad that we're doing this series because this will continue to be my least favorite of the series, which nice is it's only going to go up from here. Which is great, and yeah, you know, there are some like later entries that I think aren't that much better, but they're still better
2: than this. Wow, this is um, but this I'll, is kind of higher up on my list, so I'm intrigued to see what uh, these rankings are going to look like at the end of uh, at the end of the series.
0: You know, I was thinking last night, Devon, when I was going over your notes and saw that this is one of your favorites. Like, we are so often on the opposite side of the <laughs> tracks when it comes to movies, like our tastes are so different from one another, and that's what's great, but I will not, I'll give my honest opinion without hopefully being too, too, too too harsh, although, um, and I, I made a note here, you said how this is like nastier than the first movie and I would agree like this is a lot nastier and I just kind of made a note that like this is the Miss Jackson to Janet basically and for <laughs> folks that get that reference good yeah. on you so you know I find that
2: interesting because I, I mean I think this does up the gore and nasty level uh, to a degree but not it, we're still not there yet like we're still not in like the like truth I feel like that's gonna come in the next film as I think when mm-hmm. it really takes a big leap in the gore Uh, Because, I mean, yeah, we I think we get, you know, it feels like it's a lot nastier because we also have a lot more people in this one. It's not just, you know, watching two guys kind of suffers through these things, Um, uh, you know. So but, you know, for the most part, like a lot of the kills aren't like graphically nasty, but they are uh, but they are like, you know, the situation itself. Like, you you know, like watching someone, you know, kind of burn alive. We're not even actually seeing him burn alive, but knowing that he's getting burnt alive like that in Mm -hmm. itself that's you know rough or like same with like the needle pits like not visually like you know bloody but we know like the situation and the context so, like that makes it feel nastier so it's like I feel like this yeah. is kind of the bridge movie into like this is the the springboard and then in once we get into three that's when it really takes off into just like every movie yep. trying to you know go past what they did in the last movie um but yeah, yeah. so this is like kind of a nice like little bridge movie
0: yeah it feels like a bigger version of the first so how did this one come together and Ari you did a little uh digging into us and how like Saw 2 was put together so do you mind taking the reins a bit
1: yeah so it was immediately greenlit after the first movie's success um it had a successful opening weekend and it was directed by Darren Lynn Bousman who would continue to be involved in the franchise later um so producers needed a script for the sequel, but James Wan and Lee Winnell were working on other things at the time. They were working on Dead Silence, which is also an awesome movie. Um, so Darren Lynn Bousman had directed music videos, and he had just completed a script for what he wanted his first film to be, which is called The Desperate. And he was trying to sell it to studios, but he was getting reactions that the script was too similar to Saw. And so eventually it was like, okay, well, why don't we use this as the jumping off point for Saw 2? And then, Bousman, you can direct it. So Lee Whannell helped him polish the script. He got input from James Wan on it just to make sure it, like, fit within the Saw universe, which is only, you know, at that point, one other film. But still, they wanted his input. Um, And Wan and Whannell served as executive producers, All of the previous film's crew, or a lot of them, returned. So, editor Kevin Grutert, who, you know, really did a fantastic feat with the first movie with not having enough footage and figuring out how to put it to like, make a movie by editing, you know, scraps together. Um, so he came back. Cinematographer and, obviously, Charlie Clouser came back to do the movie, um, one of the producers, this was Hoffman's last film. He passed away unexpectedly in December of 2005. So, a lot of the cast and crew were given different versions of the script, which were shredded daily to avoid leaking plot spoilers. I remember around this time in the early 2000s, that was a really big thing. Like, not to be like the internet back in the day, but really the internet back in the day, like, you could find leaked movie scripts and spoilers and it really um, I think people were still trying to figure out how to deal with that and so shredding scripts daily was what they did here and it's good that they did that because there is so much in this movie that you could spoil and that could be um, you know, a problem to, to have that yeah. spoiled um, they did decide to add more on screen violence after feedback from the first film which I thought was interesting and so I wanted to ask the group like what do we think of changing films based on fan feedback in that way
2: I mean I've gotten to do a few test screenings and and I mean I've kind of seen um two different ways of it like you know I've seen ones where it's like uh, they like you know pretty much put the movie out and like it didn't seem like they like you know really took any input in versus like then seeing a version where it's like oh this is different than what i saw like when it actually came out and then you see that they were actually like looking at this feedback and stuff and you know that happened and that you know um helps things to uh, a negative degree sometimes uh aka the american version of the descent is kind of where you know the american audiences couldn't handle the the true bleak ending so they're like no and then the the studio caved in and uh you know and then that's the ending we got so it's like there, there's definitely negatives and positives uh to it but uh I think it's just like I think it you know is just like what are you prioritizing I guess um but whenever whenever you're like kind of making these films and 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 but I like it for this series specifically because the series kind of has always felt uh communal from the beginning like they really involved the audience you know in you know putting these movies out every year and like all these different you know like you know social media or not social media but like internet campaigns and things like that um it, you know it, it always like they've always like had the audiences like involved and I feel like that's really cool and Ariel, I know you love um our uh, Fast and Furious comparisons for this franchise um, you know I do Darren Lynn Bowsman is the Justin Lynn for this franchise Justin Lin came into the Fast franchise and he kind of like, you know, like established what we uh uh you know would know to be the Fast and Furious like kind of aesthetic in his ones and you know, he kind of came and went through different ones and I feel like that's uh Darren Lambausman for these cuz he directed 2, 3 and 4 or did he not do four I can't remember but yeah so like two
0: through four and then spiral. yeah
2: so so he yeah. did this you know he has this chunk and then yeah and then comes back for spiral same like Justin Lynn coming back you know after taking a few movies off so uh and Darren Lynn Bousman I think established uh kind of the tone that of what you think of like when you think of the Saw movies uh in my opinion
1: I love that comparison
3: thank you for saying
2: that you're welcome <laughs> just for you
3: Kat what say you I mean, the first one was very much. I mean, I th- I don't know what the tagline was in America, but I think over here it was like seven. There was like, there was there was some quote uh, about seven for the first film, and the first one does feel very Fincher esque. Uh, but it's, and this, I mean, this is around the time of Hostel, right? This is sort of same sort of same sort of era, and I'm guessing that that was what horror audiences would have gone to Saw and been like, yeah, it's great, but like. There's also this other film called Hostel. Can we make it more like like that? And I do I do think it works. And I think that the violence in this one, it's right. We we're saying earlier being a bridge. I think the thing that makes Saw and Saw Two work so well for me is that all of the traps I can imagine myself in to a degree. Like I we've all been you know we've all like pricked our finger, so you can imagine what it must feel like to be in that pit of needles. Um, you know we've all cut ourselves, so you can imagine what it feels like to have to like purposely put your arm into a razor blade box by the time we get to three and you know some dudes like limbs are all rotating at different angles I can't relate to that I can say that it looks pretty gross and it's probably very painful but I have no basis of comparison so I liked how they did push the the violence but they still did it in a in a psychological way to sort of really get a reaction out of the audience
0: yeah I don't necessarily have a problem Getting audience feedback as you're developing a movie because you're trying to cater something to the crowd. Mm -hmm. And if you're like, well, where do we, what direction do we want to go in? That's not necessarily bad feedback. But I think to like kind of build on Devon's point, it's tougher when it feels like it's a movie by committee. I think we see this a lot more now where there's a lot of talk of like, well, this movie has to hit all four quadrants. And you look at the Marvel movies that don't feel like there's any ownership on any of them it just feels like they're an assembly line um, meant to cater to specific audiences and that's when i have an issue with it uh, Specifically, like well we're going to like change the ending of this movie because uh, of uh, what audiences say this is more like all right well we did we pretty successful with this first movie here's where we want to go with it i had a, a quick note here on the script because I was watching like the making of with this and I think the producers talked about telling like Bousman after the first movie like he was about to sell the script after the success of Saw and like Lionsgate reached out and they're like don't sell it to anybody like we're gonna make you an offer just don't sign with anybody else we have an idea and that's when they pitched him on kind of um, changing the script up and it's funny because I know Wannell has like a story credit with this. I actually got to see James Wan and Lee Wanell talk about Saw II before it came out. Like they were at a Fangoria convention in New Jersey that some friends and I drove down for. And they were super nice, super engaged. But they're like, yeah, we really have nothing to do with Saw II. Like they asked us, you know, what are your ideas for it? And... What do you want to do? Like, do you want to come back, write it, and you direct it? And they're like, "We don't want to do that. We have no interest." So they, I think, like Juan was like, "I'm an executive producer, but like in name only." He's like, "I had no ideas," and they were really forthcoming. And I remember, like, laughing to myself. I'm like, "We're never going to hear from these guys again." Like, what a couple of chuckleheads! Like, they have no ideas. (laughs) Like, we'll never. James Wan will be like a like the Harvey Danger of horror movies like one and done and boy was i wrong (laughs) thankfully was i wrong so i found that interesting
1: yeah good thing good thing you were wrong about that because we've gotten so much other good stuff from them
0: yeah as i often am so
1: (laughs) So, um it did really well at the box office it came out on october 28th so you know if it's halloween it must be saw that went on for years and I'm reading a note here. I'm not sure who wrote it down, but thank you, whoever wrote this down. Saw 2 has the largest domestic box office of the series, pulling in just over 87 million, making almost 32 million in the first weekend alone, and almost 153 million for a worldwide total, about 50 million more than Saw, and this is on a very low budget of 5 million. So. As we said in the first episode of our series, this franchise prints money. Uh, And then it made even more on home video
2: i was just gonna say I, i've always thought that that tagline if it's halloween it must be saw is like one of the like goofiest like cornball things you can have for mm-hmm. like a franchise like this like it doesn't even make sense like when you like kind of say it and you're like wait if it's Halloween like the day must be saw the mood is saw like what is saw exactly <laughs> you know we are it saw.
1: doesn't matter we, are we don't saw. question <laughs> it we just
0: go with it <laughs> it's just so funny
1: it is
2: funny yeah
0: this is like blumhouse before there was blumhouse like low budget young directors that are kind of like creatively hungry don't really interfere with their work and we can make a lot of money with very little overhead um you know i put a note in here like its first week it sells 4 million dvds and and valentine's day 2006 so like two and a half million copies sold the first day so that that's a lot of folks going like oh shit the store is out of roses and chocolate so like cat did your ex like give you saw two as a valentine's day gift
3: no i said i mean he was he was too cheap but like i said i bought okay. buses and we rented it but I, I i used to work in the cinema and i know there was always a A thing with, Saw was obviously out at Halloween, but there wasn't necessarily any other horror content. And people Mm are always like, well, why is there no horror films coming out at Halloween? They don't really do that well, unless it's something like a Saw or a a Halloween. It's really hard to get people into theatres around that time because everyone's got Halloween parties or like scare attractions that they're going to. Where horror does really well is Valentine's Day because it's the perfect sort of date movie, you know, the, you take your date along to be scared and hopefully hopefully grow close. So the fact that it did release on, on Home End around Valentine's Day is just a, another genius thing because it is. It's like, well, let's get a, let's get a takeaway and let's put a scary movie on. You know, there's this whole thing where, like, watching a scary movie, you know, is, is linked to sex intrinsically because that a, a sort of survival mode sort of kicks in. So, yeah, I think it was clever, clever planning from the guys that, that figured yeah. out that, yeah, we can release it then. And they obviously made a lot of a lot of money.
0: It obviously worked. I mean, that's back at a time when DVDs are probably like 20 bucks or more. So you figure that first week alone, you're making about 80 million dollars just in DVDs. Like, that's crazy. But yeah. Want to talk some traps?
1: Oh, we have to. We have Let's talk to
0: talk some traps. So, from okay. this
1: point on in the franchise, you know, we talked about this a little bit in the first episode, too. The traps in the first movie, that's not really what the first movie is about. But in this movie and in many of the sequels going forward, the traps are the bread and butter. So, um, there are a lot of them to talk through. David Hackle, who's the film's production designer, he took three weeks to construct 27 different sets on a single st- Sound stage. That's kind of a hard sentence to say. Um, Billy the puppet was used to give instructions to Jigsaw's victims. He was originally created out of paper towel rolls and paper mache, but given the larger budget for the sequel, Billy was upgraded with remote control eyes and mouth, and I think that's a nice glow up for Billy. <laughs> um, so, some of the traps, of course, there's the big ones we got to talk through, but what do you want to start with like does anybody have a favorite trap or one that really sticks with them out of this movie
2: i so i wanted to start because so i was i was browsing the uh the saw wiki um you know because uh, we're we're trying to do like a top 10 like list of traps like through specter like a voted thing like in october or something um uh, so i was so i'm looking through the wiki and so so with some terminology here uh the the way that they refer to certain things is like there's traps and then there's games but then there but then they refer to like the overall like the arcing thing as trials so i find that interesting how there's like distinct uh even terminology you know here in the saw universe and um and yeah, uh this one this one definitely this kind of introduces like the that the true angle of like cuz in the first one when we see like some of like um the like previous traps and stuff like when we see like guy has to like use a candle but he's like covered in the room's covered in gas like that's like okay you're not like really giving anybody a chance here versus in this one, these are um, mainly games that's like, they have a way that they could solve it if they, you know, just, like, do everything correctly and, like, use their brains and stuff like that, which nobody does, um, it, you know, and, and it's because it's, like, between, like, uh, the, the, the furnace one, um, but really uh, one that I, like, kind of caught myself thinking about in this rewatch is, is the, the hand box, because that trap is actually pretty easy, But it comes in a point, though, where the gas has been in them for so long. So she's going crazy. She's panicking. And if she literally just looked at this thing for 30 seconds, you know, and, like, you literally put one hand in and then you use your other hand to, like, widen it so you can, like, pull it out. Boom. It's done. She puts her second hand in after she's already spilt the syringe because she's just, like, delirious (laughs) at that point. So it's, like, that's literally one of the easiest traps but because of, like, the state you're in. So it's, like. And, and you kind of see that with the furnace one too. It's like, if you guys would just like, I know you're like panicking, obviously you're in this like kind of crazy situation, but it's just like, man, if you like the, 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 the one guy, uh, Jonas, he's the only one that's like, Hey, let's think of a game plan. Let's look at the thing. And everybody else is just like, ah, we need the syringe. Ah, go, you know? So it's like everybody, if you would just take 30 seconds, uh, you know, cause not all of these are on timers. Some of them are. But with some of them, they have time to, like, look it over, like, before it actually starts. So it's like, um, I, I like that ongoing theme through all the tra- uh, games and traps throughout this. is like, if you just, like, we, you know, think and calm down for a minute, then, you know, and, and that's the case with um, Matthews and John as well. If you would just, like, chill out, it's all going to kind of work out for you,
0: you know? So it's kind of interesting in that way. Yeah, I put a note on this trap that it's like a great trap for dumb people because it is so simple. The idea that as long as you just don't stick both of your hands in the razor mm-hmm. blades, like, mm-hmm. you'll be okay. Um, and maybe it was the poison that was going through them, but let's face it, like, none of these people were going to be giving a TED Talk anytime soon <laughs> either. So, as the series goes on, the traps are going to get, like, extremely complex. Like, you can it's like ridiculous like the the degree of which they're going to go to fun but ridiculous so it was kind of nice to see something that is literally just like a glass box like that was kind of neat
3: yeah i mean i think for me it's you can tell that this is before escape rooms took off (laughs) because they just discard that recording where it's like the number you know the numbers you need you know the back of your mind and you know you all have the work work out what you've got in common to find the number that's like your standards of escape room riddle and you know people people are surviving them but no they're not like what's your name where are you from you know anything that could help us it's immediately let's try and escape through this door with this key that we've been explicitly told not to do and okay that didn't work so should we have that conversation no let's just go and run around oh look there's an oven should we get in it yeah yeah it's yeah they're they're definitely not the the brightest brightest tools in this
0: Mm -hmm.
1: i mean i think it's part of um and i know we'll talk about this as the series goes on but the saw franchise does not always look kindly upon people with criminal backgrounds and people with um you know any kind of mental illness or addiction issues so the the way some of the characters act in this movie is so over the top it's almost cringe but then it comes back around to being kind of entertaining um yeah they don't listen to the instructions at all um we mentioned the needle pit briefly earlier but do we want to talk more about that because i feel like that's the standout one for most people yeah let's talk about it
0: let's talk about that what are your thoughts on it,
1: Um, Well, I think for one thing, Amanda couldn't have known that she was going to go in the needle pit. Like, when you think back on this and you know Amanda's involved in the whole thing, like, she chooses not to wear shoes. She chooses to lay face down on the floor and wake up last. Like, she's orchestrated this whole thing, so she's made a bunch of choices. She couldn't have known that she was going to get tossed in the needle pit. And so it is another trial for her, even though Jigsaw didn't necessarily set out to have it be for her. It's her proving herself again, you know, against her own will yet again under Jigsaw. And um, I mean, it looks great. And it looks. It, I think it's like you said, Cat. Like we know what it is to like prick our finger, and so you can imagine how horrible it would be to fall into a bathtub full of needles.
2: Yeah, it's like one of the like most common fears, you know, if people like you know really don't like needles. Like I get tattooed a bunch, so they don't really bother me. But um, but I mean, a pit of them would bother me. And and yeah, it's it's interesting, like you said, like because whenever you're like thinking about like yeah that she like kind of planned all this, but then it's like oh no, like that wasn't her. That wasn't her game. That was for uh, the other guy. Um, so, yeah, so she couldn't have anticipated again thrown in and having to do it herself. I think that's the only reason, like, she is able to actually find it because, like, she does, you know, know, but she still has to go through it. And, yeah, it's, like, kind of an uh, interesting, like, and I, and and it's... And, we'll get into it more in the next movie because I feel like that because that is like okay well I can't spoil that just yet but uh it it really does kind of get into this like a you know worthiness and like you know like of her being like okay so like now I found like this calling that I want and like and he found me and she even called him like a father and like all these things and then like her I feel like that is like kind of what motivated her through the needle pit is like oh hey if I do this and like really show how committed and down I am for the cause then, like, you know, I'm going to get a reward or I'm going to get this. And, like, and then that's what she does get, like, in the third movie. It's like, okay, well, now you have a game to run yourself now. Because I feel like in this, I don't know. I don't think she planned as much in this. I think a lot of this was just following his directions and, like, doing the stuff. Like, because, like, they show, like, he's drawing the traps and stuff. And then she's, like, just bringing bodies into the room. Like, see? Hey, look. um And, it, you know, so it's, like, I feel like this one is a lot of, like, her following direction and like showing her like loyalty and then in three is him testing her being like, okay, that now I want to actually see you run a game. I want to see you design all these traps and like, and really prove that you are my worthy successor or not. Uh, so yeah, it's a, it's the start of a really, uh, fun, uh, you know, sub villain arc. Uh, and that, and that's one of the greatest parts of this franchise is like the way that they kind of come in and out of the, the movies, um you know and you know we're still uh my my boy's not here yet so that's uh if if um that's maybe one of the only things holding this back of not being one of my uh like top number ones it's uh it's missing it's missing
0: someone but uh we'll get to him
2: soon
1: yeah we don't want to spoil that
0: (laughs) no we won't any spoilers i find that fascinating because that's one of my least favorite aspects of i the know of following course. movies it's awesome cat <laughs> how about yourself any thoughts on the needle pit or is there another trap that really stands out to you
3: i mean the, the needle pit is the one that has sort of stayed with me i think through through all of them and it is as i've said it's that sort of relatability like i can sort of imagine how how painful that that is and yeah this one is the She's already proved herself prepared to save herself through surviving the the reverse bear trap, but this is the, but have you got what it takes to be me? It's, you know, live through this ordeal. Can you do this to people? And I think, although she does prove herself at the end of it, her test subjects aren't the best. Like, I don't, I think barring what may be one of them, none of them do their own traps. And mm-hmm. even like even in this, obviously she's thrust into the pit. And it's not her. Yeah. it's not her trial. It he, Xavier isn't. He's not learning anything. He is, you know, his tape is told that you know you're always you know uh, manipulating other people and forcing your will onto other people, and that's exactly what he does here. So I kind of feel kind of feel sorry for Amanda that she's. In a way, I feel she is wanting some of these people at least to experience that epiphany that she had by being saved through these traps, but she's not presented with that opportunity here because these people are just so closed-minded that they're not prepared to yeah, even attempt to even listen listen to a simple recording.
0: Yeah, I have my thought, and we'll talk about the game players and so we talk more about the movie proper, because I definitely have my thoughts like it is painful at times like it's a good example of characters that you want to see killed because they're just so unlikable from the get-go like they're just not sympathetic i really like the death mask slash like venus fly trap like it's kind of a mini iron maiden in some ways and it's almost like a reverse of the reverse bear trap and then instead of like going outwards it's collapsing in. And I had this thought with it, like, would you be better off knowing that it's going to spring shut of just trying to, like, take your forearms and cover your skull and see if, like, it will close, crush your arms, basically, uh, rather than try to get that thing off? Because you really don't have a lot of time. Um, or that would be my only way of, like, possibly trying to survive it, because I don't think I'm gouging out my eyeball in any circumstance but i like the
1: in every trap because i do not think of stuff like that like i've never thought to do that and i'm just Mm -hmm. like well (laughs) he did his best
3: yeah Yeah, i mean i'm terrible i'm terrible with eyes full stop so (laughs) like i can't even get water in my eyes so there ain't no way that i'm like yeah that i'm going after a key that's behind it that's not, that's, not happening. that's a
2: yeah that's a tough one and and this is a good place to introduce um a, a segment i'll sprinkle in is a uh, jigsaw sickest burns uh because uh he's a sassy mofo and in in the tape before this uh before the venus fly trap he says uh, one of my favorites so far in what could loosely be called your life you've made it a living watching others like god damn get them jigsaw <laughs>
0: judgmental this one thing you can say about jigsaw he is a very judgmental motherfucker like that is definitely yes, that is his core his. attribute <laughs> but also like jigsaw is like a jack of all trades like here he is like not only is he building and designing all of these traps but he's doing eye surgery like some pretty you know I mean, well and granted
2: well, we learn he has an engineering background later. So, like, he's a he's a very
0: prolific, smart guy, for sure. He is, but I'm not letting my mechanic, who's super talented, do, like, uh take out my appendix. Do you know what I mean? Maybe so, that's not like, fair,
1: Mike. Maybe you should. Maybe. Give him a chance.
0: <laughs> Cars and
1: people are very similar.
0: I don't think he's in my network is the problem. So I'm that worried about problem. what the bill would look like. It's really the health insurance industry is such a scam. And we'll get into um, that in a
1: few weeks.
2: Absolutely will. John, is the, but John like, is the type of guy that would say, I am I am neither the judge, jury, nor executor.
0: Uh, <laughs> well, he says that here. I mean, he definitely tries to play the technically card. He will definitely <laughs> talk about that. Technically, I'm not a murderer. I haven't killed anybody, you know. Like, I would not... I would imagine... That like John's legal team would be quitting in droves faster than Trump's. Like every time Trump opens his mouth, like three lawyers quit. They're like, I can't defend this. this Yeah. What
2: legal team? John's the type of guy that would be like, I'm representing myself.
1: That is exactly who he is. Oh my God. That is so true.
0: Oh, you are. You know what? You're absolutely right. Um, but Mike is very spry for like just getting out of traumatic eye surgery, like doesn't seem to be very groggy, you know, looking pretty good, not going like, why is half of my face burning up? So I don't know. Um, I made a note, like when it came to the fire, the furnace trap and that like, Obi, the valve is right there. It literally says, turn me off. And Obi like doesn't. Do anything, Can and it someone gets explain
1: to... the furnace trap to me? As many times as I've seen this movie, I don't understand what he's supposed to do.
2: It's so he's like it's the, the die, basically. pretty pretty much. But I think it's again, like you said, like I think if it was supposed to be just like a like further inspection thing, like but they're all. As soon as he gets lit on fire, then, like, all they're focused on is, like, opening the door. And it's, like, nobody was, like, looking around to see how they can turn the fire off. Yeah. They were only trying to, yeah. like, so it's, like, they're only looking at it one way. I think it might have almost been yeah. as simple as, hey, turn this off. Go in. Get the things. And you're oh. in your set. You know? Um, or I don't know why they didn't prop the door open whenever he goes in, you know, just in case. Um, but, yeah, the, the the because the chain on one of the syringes was hooked to the 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 thing that the door and like the the ignition i guess uh yeah it's it's kind of a weird one but i think it's also like uh kind of like what we're saying is like it looks like it's like kind of like a kind of crazy one but it's like eh, it might have been just as simple as turning it off but we'll never know
0: it's very keystone cops like all of these characters like basically you get a pattern of like don't do this thing I'm going to do this thing, but you shouldn't do it, but I'm going to do it. And then something very bad happens and everybody is like, Hey, you know that time that we like turned a key and a guy got shot in the head. I'm just going to like throw open this door with all of my force and hopefully things go right. And then it triggers something really bad. I'm just going to pull on this lever or this string and kind of hope for the best. Like the complete lack of self-awareness and the lack of, being like aware of your environment is like staggering in this movie. Like it really, you're almost shocked that none of them have ever like wandered into traffic and have been flattened <laughs> by a bus, because like these folks are just not. And you kind of need that for a horror. I mean, I get you kind of need that if everybody did the smart thing, mm-hmm. there well, probably wouldn't be. And a they're movie. being
1: poisoned, like
0: mm-hmm. for one
1: thing. I don't know how I would act if you know. In that situation, my brain would probably shut down with panic, but also they're being poisoned. So like, there's a little bit of an explanation for why they do the stupid things they do.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's, that's what, you know, part of the fun of the series is, you know, like putting yourself in these situations, like, okay, how would I truly react? Like, you know, would I have a chance and these kind of things? And, and yeah, like it's, uh, uh, there's a, there's this internet series, I watch sometimes it's like a game, like show style things. It's called like Odd Man Out, and it's like there'll be six of one thing and then one imposter. And the only way that they figure these things out is through talking like that's it. So they're So it's like they or they like go like based off of like, you know, like their outfits, you know, and like things like that. So it's like they they do all that kind of stuff. And that's what they should have been doing here. Like they should have been, you know, asking each other questions to find the connection. Like, hey, like, let me like check you out. Like, make sure like we know you've been poisons. Like, let me check you out and see if there's anything else. Um, but it is also funny. This is, um, where, uh, sometimes, um, John isn't always flawless in his, uh, uh execution, um, or, or his wording. He likes to be funny with his wording and says, uh, the answer is in the back of your mind. And he puts the numbers on the back of their neck. Okay. Your, your neck is not your mind, John. So, uh, yeah, he, he, again, he's not a doctor. He doesn't know these things, I guess, but, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, wording, wording matters, John.
3: Yeah. I mean, I guess you could argue that Jigsaw isn't particularly well-known in the public in public knowledge at this stage. Obviously, Amanda's the only one that really knows anything about him. I think the police have still been covering up the serial killer at this stage. Whereas when you get to later films, like Jigsaw is this big, documented, well-known serial killer, and people are immediately like, oh, we're in a Jigsaw trap. You know, he always does something tricksy. And they do try in the group traps they do try and work work together a little bit more but yeah in this one they don't really have that they're just like what is happening and all they've got to go on is information from amanda who as we know is is playing it in in a very specific way for a certain reason
0: yeah
1: and i think like and this this might be a stretch but i've thought you know you watch the movies a lot you think about them a lot and What I've thought about these characters is a lot of them have probably survived by taking care of themselves and being really independent. And, you know, there's some allusion to that when they're talking about, um, I think it's Xavier and Jonas, and Jonas says, we can fight each other as if we were in prison right now, or we can help each other. And it's kind of like, yeah, maybe they're used to surviving by staying, sticking to themselves. Um, I don't know. Is it, we don't learn a no. ton about them. For me, like I think that's one of the reasons I don't love this movie as much is because there are a ton of characters and we just don't get to learn a lot about them or like get very invested in them very quickly.
0: So that's what I want to ask. Because knowing that this was originally a different script, to me it feels like everything in the house was part of that script. Like that is what this movie would have been about if, if, if Bausman had just made what he had wanted to. That you would have had like a group of people trapped in a house trying to circumvent all of these traps in order to get out. But because the movie can't just be that because you cannot just do 90 minutes on that now because you're adding Jigsaw to the mix and you're adding this. To me, like everything with Detective Matthews And obviously the end of the movie, like it would have been really weird if this movie ended in the Saw universe and wasn't part of Saw. Um, Everything with that was like added on after the fact that a lot of the character detail was just straight up removed because like there are, I don't even think you get to know one of the characters' names, like the blonde woman who just like dies. I don't remember if she ever gives her name. I think that they credit her as like Laura in the on imdb but i don't remember them ever calling her that and you never learned what she's in there for like and when they ask why are you what did you go to prison for she's like it doesn't matter it's like Mm. okay i guess it doesn't matter because they had to maybe cut a lot of like getting to know the characters out
3: yeah i agree i think there probably is a longer script or a longer version where you do find out a few more, I think. I think I read somewhere that Laura was shop shoplifter. She was she mm-hmm. was in in via shoplifting, but that's never explicitly made clear. But yeah, if you had a film that was just that, and then you added the source stuff to it, it's too long. It's too bloated. So yeah, I think they definitely streamlined that. But even Matthews, we don't really get to know anything about yeah. other than he's a really crappy dad and a questionable police police detective. Mm-hmm
1: well i was just thinking about detective matthews being a bad dad and a bad police detective and uh you know all of the people were chosen for this trial so the way jigsaw approaches this is he doesn't really care about the people in the house Mm -mm. so much as he cares about torturing detective matthews or teaching him a lesson or whatnot so, the people in the house he picks to get under the skin of Detective Matthews and to make them turn on his son um because he wants to see Detective Matthews go off the rails as a cop, which we know he does because he faked all those uh, he planted all the evidence to get all those convictions
2: yeah I, I don't know if it's like maybe because because they are all because they are all still past criminals, like even though they are criminals that did get away uh to a degree by by Matthews but they all also like kind of imply that they still have previous history aside from like what they were set up for um so I don't know if like in that kind of way if John's like kind of already like in a oh you kind of don't have a redemption at this point so that's why they are expendable for Eric's uh trial I guess um but yeah like I I found myself thinking about that on this rewatch so I was like uh, it's kind of shitty, John, uh, you know, like, uh, and because, but then it, again, it's like kind of a trope that we see uh, in, in other films as well, like, you know, uh, using other people for, like, other people's trial, like, we see that in three, we see that in six, um, uh, four, um, you know, so there's interesting, I never, I didn't notice, there's kind of a, an alternating pattern um, between uh, the way that uh, the, the films go with uh, how the overall trial is structured, but <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so yeah, I don't know. It's, um, I, I don't know what if, if, I don't know if that's also like him trying to double down on the point of being like, well, Matthews, this is the way you see these people and the way that you treat them, that they are expendable and don't matter and stuff. So like, yeah, so, like, so what do you care of like watching this, you know, like, you know, watching this whole thing point. and, you know, really he's only, he's only out to uh you know protect his son at that point at that point he really isn't like n- at no point like when we are cutting back to the police scenes and like they're talking and stuff matthews doesn't say anything about the rest of the people in this uh trial like he's only talking about his son like that's it i need to find my son if i if you, if anything happens to my son i'll kill you all these things, literally not a single cop says anything about the rest of the people in the game. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, you know, very interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They're seen as expendable. I mean, that's really it. Like they're seen by the filmmakers as expendable, which is why you don't get a lot of backstory. They're seen by us as the audience as expendable. Cause we never really get to know them. And like what we do get to know, like they're so abrasive, you know, you have like Xavier G who, if he's related to Kenny G, like completely different vibe altogether. It's a
1: distant cousin.
0: Well, he is like, we talked about Adam being like an angry dude in the first movie, but like Adam was all snark. Like he wasn't any sort of physical threat and Xavier, his character is basically Adam. If you added like 50 pounds of muscle and roid rage to it, like he's just pure lashing out at everybody. All the time. I'm, so, like, for my
2: cube comparison, he's literally Quentin in that in that
0: film. Mm-hmm. Like, he's literally that guy. Like, they're almost like twins. <laughs> yeah, it just feels like these these whatever development there was was like cut in order to kind of like smash these two scripts together. Is my was my take on it? So it's just like nobody to really latch on to. And as an audience, like, let's face it, I think we would be disappointed if the tact the movie took was like in everybody get out of their trap safely. And they lived happily ever after. Like, they would be like, what? Like, this is not what I paid to see. The other thought I had as we're talking, you know, cat, you had mentioned that maybe you had read, like Laura was maybe guilty of shoplifting. There's no sense of scale when it comes to jigsaw and his punishment. Like it's basically death or nothing. So you have like Laura who may have shoplifted like a blouse or some lip gloss or maybe food, like maybe she was poor and needed to eat. And then you have Amanda who just possessed drugs like she was went to prison for possession. And then you have like Obi's straight up kidnapping people and Xavier uh, is selling drugs like he's like poisoning other people. Yet they all have the same really the
2: same fate like there's no sense of scale well, and I feel like that's where kind of some of the um, the religious uh, kind of aspects to Jigsaw comes in um, I mean, they never explicitly like ever like comes into anything in the, in any of the series, but he uses, you know, like those specific words like salvation and, uh, stuff mm-hmm. like that. And, and, and with this approach, like having the no scale, like it's kind of basically like the way people are like, Hey, a sins a sin, you know, like, it doesn't matter mm-hmm. if it's a big one, or a small one. And so like, it kind of, again, like has, um, these like kind of religious undertones in the way that, um, you know, that uh he kind of becomes this you know messiah figure over time, and like you know we see him pass his death, all these things you know so it's like uh this is i feel like maybe because uh planting it's planting the seeds uh for for some of that as uh, as far as again in in the way that he does kind of use the the police system to tie in that kind of stuff is uh, is really interesting this is uh this is uh the beginning of uh john's a cab uh odyssey through through yeah. the next
0: films. Yeah, and that's going to continue. You know, we talked about how he's very harsh on folks that are criminals or have mental health problems. But if there is a through line that runs through all of the Saw movies, it's like all cops are bastards and all cops are incompetent. Mm-hmm. Like that pretty much is going to carry all the way through, which is great. I'm here for it. Love to see it. On board with that. If if this whole franchise was just like Jigsaw, kidnapping cops and just putting them through it like he's the hero that we need for our time it wouldn't even be a villain at that point but before we talk more about jigsaw him let's talk about our main cop here because i have some thoughts on detective matthews but how do we see him as a protagonist for this movie i mean this whole
2: movie is basically to say hey eric you're a big dumbass like, that's literally, like, what this whole movie is, is to, yeah. is just to take a dump all over him, uh, which is, which is, uh, hilarious, and, like, you know, we get, like, kind of clues throughout that, like, he's a very violent cop, and, like, he plants evidence, and, like, does all the things, so, like, yeah, he's, like, kind of the, you know, run-of-the-mill, uh, you know, dirty cop, and, and he, I mean, and Donnie Wahlberg, that's exactly what he looks like, he looks like a dirty cop, like, and so, it's, like, I, it's perfect casting in that way, um. Is his uh, performance all that great? I mean, I think he's fine. I think it's, uh, I think he, um, his kind of, like, because he is, like, so, like, so serious. Like, I feel like when you're doing these movies, like, yeah, these movies take themselves seriously. But, like, as a performer, I feel like you're kind of in on, like, you know, we know what we're doing here. I feel like he like he was just taking this so seriously, and that makes it even I more comical. Like, his, like, interactions I, with uh, John are, like, even more comical, because, like, he is
0: so serious, and it's hilarious. See, I don't see any comic relief in any of these movies until you get to Spiral. Well, well we I find really it don't. funny, Like, though. there is... It's un-
2: like, the movie... This series is unintentionally hilarious, but it's, like, only because of, like the way that we watch these films as, like, kind of knowing them as the Saw movies. But, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, there definitely is no, like, actual comedy until, like, way later.
3: I don't see him as the protagonist. Um, For me, it is Amanda and Mm -hmm. and john who who are the protagonists and i don't know if that's just the fact that i've been brought up on horror franchises and following certain characters through films so as soon as i see a familiar face i'm like oh so they're my main character um so i don't necessarily view him as the protagonist there's nothing particularly interesting about him to me um if we're talking about the the police Kerry is the one that i'm more interested in who again mm-hmm. we see briefly in in the first soul film so so she was the one that sort of stuck out to be there i mean i think there's as well as him being like a dirty cop and that i think there's a, the this comment sort of made that suggests that Kerry was potentially part of the breakup of his marriage there's a couple of comments that there's a slight chemistry between them but yeah matthews to me is a poor man's donald glover from the first film it's like Mm -hmm. we gave them a cop the first time around and that kind of worked so let's Mm -hmm. let's bring it back but yeah they he he gets very lost amongst I mean, you can't put him against Tobin Bell. I mean, this kid, he came up from New Kids on the Block, and then he's sitting across the across the yeah. table from from Tobin Bell. I mean, that's yeah, was that's tough. not fair. <laughs> yes, exactly. We had to hang tough, so, didn't he, against Tobin Bell? because yeah. that's uh, yeah, that was just mean from Darren Limbosman. Mm-hmm. That was.
1: I think um, throughout the franchise, another theme that we'll explore is how Jigsaw views and values family. Which is another connection to Fast and the Furious, yeah. I'm just saying. Um, and I really think Jigsaw punishes, in particular, people who he sees as bad father figures. Um, you know, we saw it with Dr. Gordon previously. And, you know, we're seeing it here with Eric Matthews. And future films will explore the family themes even more. Um, but, I mean... Eric Matthews is is a great bad dad to punish.
0: I finally seen a Fast and Furious movie.
1: Which one did you watch?
0: Well, we're gonna start in order. We can't okay. start with part. I, one. I agree.
1: I just, I don't know.
0: Which part do like Vin Diesel and Paul Walker kiss? Like, what one do they eventually?
1: <laughs> mm, that's kiss in? that's in the spinoff short film.
0: Okay, because like that whole movie is just the romantic tension between those two and then the other bearded guy that like fights paul walker a lot like there's just i'm like just let them be together that's what i'm saying yeah, so. there's an episode of
3: american dad where that is the version of the fast and the furious thing, <laughs> is 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 vin and is vin and paul hooking up
0: they should it should be i mean like they are clearly in love with one another no 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 it but it's it's uh
2: it, it's It's Brian and Rome. Those are the past scorn lovers and that's the that's the relationship the tension I'm in for. Uh,
0: Brian and Dom, they respect each other to a to a horny degree. I will agree that like casting Donnie Wahlberg is like it's good casting from a like he just exudes corrupt cop, divorced dad, shitty husband horrible father energy like he exudes it from his pores like dunkin donuts french vanilla i mean it is and i had this thought you know the movie twins with schwarzenegger and devito
1: go on where is this going
0: concept is like schwarzenegger gets all the good stuff and devito all the garbage so if you had to do like a boston version of twins On one side, you would have, like, say, maybe Matt Damon or Ben Affleck or Tom Brady. You know, not that Affleck's perfect, but he can direct the hell out of a movie. Married J-Lo, so good for him. Um, And, you know, Matt Damon seems pretty chill. I like him in pretty much everything I see. He supports teachers' unions. They would be the Schwarzenegger. And then, like, the garbage side of Boston would be, like, Donnie Wahlberg and Mark Wahlberg. Like, the garbage worst parts he's just loud abrasive and then to your point cat about like it's cruel to put him against tobin bell like rewatching this this morning when he's like i just want my son he doesn't necessarily look like he's like worried about his son he more looks like He's just like pissed off like he's getting dressed down by a superior so his face goes completely blank like I don't really get the I'm worried about my kid energy I mean
2: from him I, I, I wonder how much awareness there is in I mean it might be me giving this movie too much credit but like in them being aware in the casting because like like he literally is just a punching bag for john for the entire movie mm-hmm. so it's like and it's satisfying like we that's like you know part of how the movie gets us on yeah. john's side you know is like we see mm-hmm. him like you know punishing these just like really shitty guy and like i mean again roasting him over and over again like when he's like uh he's like who is i he's like it's your son don't you remember <laughs> like and just like things mm-hmm. like that like i mean yeah. he is literally just like uh like you know fucking with him at like all costs. Yeah. It's like it's almost satisfying that like not only is it a shitty person, but it's also somebody with the face of Donnie Wahlberg getting uh, you know, punished in this way.
1: That's the detective Matthews they gave medals to. <laughs>
2: yes. Yes.
0: <laughs> Good point. Well let's let's talk about his his uh foil in this movie and Kat you mentioned how you know, you mentioned how you feel like Jigsaw is the protagonist of this movie. So, this is the first one we really get to know Jigsaw. So, what do you think? How do you think he fares in this movie?
3: I mean, it's a great it's a great performance from from Tobin Bell. The fact that the first film he is asleep for most of it, or you know, we're seeing him in hospital beds, and here he's the fact that he still has strength when he's clearly been dressed up to appear weak he's obviously we we know from the first film that he's got cancer and he's hooked up to he's got IVs he's got an oxygen mask and yet there's still so much strength and power that comes through like just this man the way his man's brain works he know I mean he knows he he knows exactly he he knows that the kid is just a couple of meters away and he never you know I mean I would not want to play poker with with John Kramer uh because that guy would be too much um but just it's just that he's you know it's a smart villain. I don't think the horror franchise, you know, was built on your Jasons and your your Michael Myers, these big like hunking lumps that were just going around hacking people together. You you had then you had your Freddies and you, your pinheads who would you know, who were a little bit more articulate and a bit more brain power, but John Kramer just runs circles around them all. Like he is like twenty steps ahead. Of everybody, and it's it's this film where you realize just how clever he is, because, as Ariel said earlier, this is not just a one twist like oh, I wasn't really dead this is you know that video feed isn't live that person's not who you thought he was here's your son here there's just twist upon twist upon twist, mm-hmm. and just the the mind that could construct that you have to you have to give respect to
0: does it feel like he has Contingency plans, upon contingency plans, like Ariel had said, how and you had said how wasn't supposed to be Amanda that goes in the pit. Like the game plays out differently than expected. Do you feel like he always has a backup plan for his backup plan?
3: Oh yeah, I think he's very much like he obviously he's an engineer, so and you know an architect. He's used to making plans, and I I imagine very much that he has as he's planning them, he's thought about well, what if he throws somebody else in? What does that mean? Um, what if somebody goes to the door? Uh, because that could have been any one of them and therefore, you know, that would then throw off the needle pit because mm-hmm. everyone's got their own specific task. You know, it could have been Obi. Yeah. Um, and I think he has thought, th- the way that he set the traps up is they're kind of specific to the people, but it doesn't necessarily matter if somebody else does them. It's not as, you know, you have spent your life looking at people. Now you have to, you know, take that part of yourself away. They're not that specific to the people. So yeah, I think he's definitely got like ABCD in in terms of plans, which oh. again, as a very organized person, I have to respect that.
0: Mm-hmm. Ari, how do you think he evolves in this one?
1: I think um, he's, he's good at having backup plans and, he really has a singular focus. Like detective Matthews is his purpose in this movie. He wants to torture detective Matthews and taunt him with his son and see if he can get him to just follow the rules for a short amount of time and get rewarded for it. So the things going on with the people in the house, I think he does care about those trials as well. But if things go wrong in the house, that's not really what he's doing here. Like, he's he's torturing Detective Matthews. That is his singular focus. And it's on Amanda to kind of manage the house once that's up and going. So, I think something we learned about Jigsaw in this movie is that, like, he's really laser-focused, and it, you know, the wheels can start to fall off, but things can still keep going the way he's engineered it. And to be an intimidating villain while you're eating soup, like, <laughs> he's the opposite of the shape. You know, he's the opposite of Jason Voorhees with a machete and a hockey mask. Like, he's an old man sitting down in a wheelchair with his robe on, connected to IVs, eating soup, and he's still scary as hell and in control. He's in complete control.
0: Oh, yeah. uh, What are you. What?
1: Are you going to ask me what kind of soup was it?
0: <laughs> you know I'm actually genuinely curious. What do you think of this idea of like he knows how things have played out in the house already because what we learn at the end of this movie is like, oh, this has all been pre-recorded and the feed is being sent in from another home. So he has like as always knowledge that the everybody else does not have. So he can kind of plan around that as well. I mean, What do you think of the game that he sets up for Detective Matthews? Because to me, it feels like the most fair game of anything in any of these movies. And it's like, it's very simple. And I'm going to tell you the rule. Just sit down, talk to me and listen. All you have to do is sit here and do nothing and you will get your son back. But he knows like it is impossible. Absolutely impossible that Matthews is going to succeed. I mean, I think
2: the setup of the trial really says a lot about John's personality, and that's what I love about this movie. I mean, like, yeah, like, I mean, uh, uh, Tobin Bell just saucing it up this entire movie, and and that's the thing with John. Like, one, this guy, he's a camp icon, okay? Because this whole thing is camp. He's a performer too, because he is the worst type of genius that he not only knows he's smarter than you but he also has to demonstrate it and that's like you know like through this elaborate thing that is still simple but like when you think of all the effort that he had to put in to do it like he's he's like he's like a batman brain like you know when you think of uh the contingency plans i also made a tweet comparing uh the uh the uh, apprentices as uh, different Robins. Uh, you can go find that. Uh, and, but this is like, and with him having, you know, cancer, it like kind of taps into that idea of like, you know, well, what's a man with nothing to lose, uh, but what does he have? You know, infinite time. Like, then that's all John has. He has time to think. He has like unlocked uh, the hundred percent of his brain or whatever. And he is like, you know, he's, he's doing, ev- he's got everything going on at once, all these backup plans all these he's worried about the performance at hand right now like he's literally I mean yes he has obviously uh, his other people but like he's like the the you know this is a three-person play that he wrote directed is editing uh, sound designing engineering you know so it's like uh, it, it's it is just like super admirable to watch and then just to watch him be sassy on top of it and you know do power play things like hey uh, can you give me a glass of water I would really like that and he's like shakes the glass at him and like literally makes this man get him water while they're talking just to be like see like i control everything and i love that for him uh he's a he's a he's a he's a sassy man and uh and and i live for him so like this is such a like really great like coming out party i, I mean possibly
0: uh for john kramer <laughs> yeah Well, the other side of that is Amanda. And, Kat, you had also mentioned uh, Detective Carrie as well. And I think they are interesting flip sides of a coin because Amanda is trying to maneuver, not manipulate so much as maneuver the characters in her game and say, like, look, don't do this thing. You, You don't turn the key like you're told not to they don't listen and someone dies and throughout it, like she's trying to steer things along to really help them maybe kind of offer them some cheats so they can survive. And yet no one is listening to her and detective Carrie is saying like, look, I've been studying this case since the first day. Like she returns from the first movie. I know how his mind works. Like right now you're giving, you're giving jigsaw exactly what he wants by acting, in this really aggro way. It's really a, the film does comment on toxic masculinity and that none of the men listen to the two women in the movie and they all end up dead by the end of it. What do you think of Shawnee Smith and her kind of like understudy performance here, like becoming much more central character and then her, I guess we'll maybe save the reveal for a little later on, but what do you think of like Amanda throughout this?
3: I, this this is, I mean, um, she stood out in the first film because it's obviously like the first, like the only trap that we really sort of see, see to some degree, and so I was immediately like, "Oh my god, it's her!" And she does present as the final girl for for much of the film. It's a great performance from Shawnee Smith. She has that traumatized PTSD. Oh my god, like the Ellen Ripley, like I'm back, I'm back here mm-hmm. doing this again. I don't want to be doing this. Um, which I think she she plays so well in this. And I think as horror as horror an audience, we just accept that she's the final girl because that's what horror films do. They bring back the same person and, okay, she's our like Jamie Lee Curtis for this franchise. Okay, how many times is she going to end up in this man's traps? But okay. Yeah. And then, again, the fact that in the first film her punishment is because she is a drug addict. It's something that, as an audience, again, you can believe that she might legitimately end up back in a trap because people with addiction relapse so it you can i I fully bought into that i also just want to give a shout out to the fact that she was secretly pregnant um while she filmed this film um the only the director knew i think her other daughter sort of like spoiled it at some point (laughs) like oh by the Mm -hmm. way my mum's pregnant um but as somebody that has been pregnant like and just wanted just to sit and be still. The fact that she made this film, um, I have to take my hat off for. And it is, a, I feel like the third film is probably where Amanda really achieves her pinnacle for me. Mm-hmm. But she puts in, Shani Smith puts in some really yeah. good voice Yeah, just like luring you into that false sense of security that Amanda's a safe character.
0: Yeah. How sympathetic do you feel towards her throughout the movie up until that, those last few minutes it almost feels like unfair that she's back in this bind right
3: yeah yeah like I say, it's that it's the the final girl thing it's the you know it's the Sydney Prescott oh friends are being murdered again it's the Ellen Ripley she's got to go back to she's got to go back mm-hmm. to lb 422 again 426 again um and as somebody that has watched franchises i i I bought into that and you do you feel sorry and it's the fact that she is the one with the knowledge if this was a man in this situation people you could argue that characters would be like oh yeah he knows what he's doing he's done this before you see it so often in action films um where you know the the man returns it's like oh we're going to follow him because he was a hero last time but because potentially because she is a woman she is talked over by potentially mm-hmm. by because of the, the the men that she is surrounded with and you do it's just just, just it's a yet another case of we talk about this a lot in ghouls listen to women listen <laughs> you know save yourself a lot of trouble guys
2: Yeah, she gets to do, like, such a, like, really cool thing of, you know, like, you know, really getting to blend all these different tropes, whether they be Final Girl tropes, and then, like, kind of morphing it, and, like you said, like, kind of uh, morphing our expectations, you know, kind of going in, because, like, uh, I remember, like, the first time watching, and then, like, Whenever I like was like um, actually binging, like after I'd like seen the first one proper and like, you know, they kind of do like a like little thing. they like give her like a haircut. So it's like even for like the first like couple of scenes, you don't even recognize that it's her until she like says like, oh, I've been in one of these and then it's like oh shit it's her you know so it's like then you immediately feel bad like you said of just being like ah, oh, damn like you made it like what happened so it's like you're mm-hmm. already like kind of off guard and then like um the way that she just like really has to sell it like i love again like if you're gonna be in john's troop you gotta be a performer and that's what she does she has to perform in this thing like she he basically like is like this is like uh um uh, a uh a, a like master chef like uh testing the new sous chef like all right i'm gonna give you the recipe make the dish and let me see mm. if you can do it and like that's basically what you know she gets to do here and like i mean she's selling it she has such a great scream uh like like i mean she really sells it and that's kind of a selling point for the whole film really i wanted to mention that during the traps it's like the the traps themselves are like uh like you know visually upsetting and stuff like that, but like really the main of it is like when people are just screaming and suffering and like you see the other people's like reactions to it and like so like Amanda like really like, you know, like you know, selling uh this whole thing, like especially the the very first scene when she like has to like be like panicked and like she is upset that she's there again. She has to start like looking around the room and like all these things. Like that that very first scene is like such like a really like oh okay like she's she's here to play you know and and i think that's a uh, really cool and then like you know to her to kind of get have the the mirrored uh image yeah. at the end of you know slamming the door and everything and getting to say game over it's like yeah good for her she you know fuck yeah she got to say it you know she mm-hmm. did it and uh it's a uh, kind of oddly satisfying in a way so yeah i it, it's a really cool character like and just like and i i love um her in the next film as well
0: Ari, was there ever a point when you, if you think back on your first watch of this, that you like are, uh, Amanda was in on it or were you like completely Absolutely gobsmacked?
1: not. I was completely blown away by the twist just as the movie wanted me to be and I love it. Yeah, I felt bad for her the whole time. I was mm-hmm. like, this is so unfair. You already passed once. You shouldn't have to do this again. So yeah, I was on board for Amanda.
0: Yeah, Yeah. Feel like the I, I kinda made this note, it feels like the movie does benefit from having her back because you get to know so little about everybody else. Like I made a note, it would be like having a movie full of Zeps, basically, where you don't really know why like Michael Emerson is like caught up in this game at the end of it. You're like, Well how did he get sucked in? He was the only one who was actually nice to John when he was in the hospital, and like that's what this movie would have felt like. Like, why are all these really all of these people involved? Because we so know know so little. Where Amanda acted as a nice kind of anchor for that first movie to this one, and you get to know a little more about her and get to see more of her resilience as well. Like that's one thing throughout this movie. Like she's a very resilient character. Whether it's getting thrown in the pit, like she manages to find the thing and plenty of time for Xavier to use it and Xavier literally drops the key trying to get it in the keyhole and they get locked in and he gets mad at her again um, so we've danced around the so we kind of come here to a close we've got of dance around to the end of this a little bit um, how do we feel this twist or reveal at the end compares to the first one I think it's cool
2: that they not only did, you know, like kind of a kind of went a little bit kind of crazier to like kind of stretch your mind a little bit more. Like in the first one, it's like it, it's like not like a stretch to be like, oh, yeah, he like took some drug to make himself pass out. He's on the floor. Boom, bam, boom. All makes sense. Uh, in this one, it's like, OK, like let's try to really stretch it to be like, you know, zoom out. And I like how they do it in the stages. It's like first we zoom out and it's like, oh, we get a man. And then oh he was in the safe the whole time and that's the one that like really got me and I was like damn I was like that was like that's cold John Like, 'cause because he literally like the many times in the beginning just like all you have to do is talk to me like all we gotta do is sit here and chit chat and like it'll all be and just like I I love like the the simplicity of that and then it's like zoom out again oh the the video feed like you know so it's like the way that they do it they're just like because uh and I feel like that, that ended up being, like, kind of a hallmark going through the rest of the series, too, is, like, okay, like, what what twist are we going to put in this one? Like, uh, that even became, I remember uh, the tagline for four is, like, you won't believe how it ends, like, you know, so it's, like, they really start leaning into that in uh, later entries as well. But, like, this one, mm-hmm. they're, like, okay, they they saw the one twist at the end of the first one, like, we got to go bigger, but let's give them more, too. So, like, I, I like it. I like that they double down on it. It's fun. Hmm.
3: Yeah, I think for me because the first one was such a big twist, like you just at no point did I realize that that dead body wasn't dead and I still remember like the response in in the movie theater when he stands up, you know, it's just and even watching it, rewatching it, it's so they handle it so well. And then also the the fact that if if Adam had, had just woken up a little gentler, like they would have never have been in that. And again, it's in this, like one of the first lines that, that John says to Matthews is he's in a safe place and there's there's a safe right there. Why is there a safe in this like workshop? Who's, who's Jigsaw hiding his, his secrets from? You know, why does he need a safe? Um, I will admit that because of the big twist, I was expecting there to be some sort of twist when it came round to mm-hmm. two. So I did twig that the recording was a recording i did i did sort of twig like there's got to be something nice. i did not suspect amanda at all i just thought it was john was punishing her for not respecting his gift and like mm-hmm. get back in the bin you know you've done drugs you know you're self-harming now get in the bin did you not did you not learn anything when that reveal happened i was just so happy because it mirrors the end of the first one and it's just like well done guys for tricking me once again like i thought i had you but no no
0: yeah how much do you think it's like a necessity to have someone like amanda partner up with john given the physical condition we see him in in this movie because it kind of beggars belief that this person who like can't get out of a wheelchair to get himself a drink could put all of this into place without some help so it's kind of just smart from a logic and a storytelling standpoint isn't it's it?
2: a it's like a weird place to start like introducing your villain proper and it's like oh he's already dying and on and on his way out you know so it's like that's like kind of interesting to like you know introduce a villain like on his way out already and then like kind of to set up the uh, successor angle and then the different apprentices and like uh you know kind of collection that he like uh has over time so um mm-hmm. yeah so it's 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 kind of a interesting uh thing to do and but i like it because then it's like uh you know then it's you see like how that changes and like his influence and like you know kind of showing that like you know like he himself like because he again trying to be like batman he's like hey i'm not it doesn't me as the person but the symbol you know like that's that's what it Mm -hmm. means to be you know i didn't i didn't start calling myself jigsaw but i did the puzzle thing as a symbol Mm -hmm. uh you know and it's just like so so in that way um it, it it just uh, we, we don't really get many of those like you know we are kind of more used to um the traditional like hey we got our iconic villain okay we're going to have him for this many films and like that be the thing you know and um aside from like scream like it, like you know they kind of you know use a you know ghostface is a is a mantle of sorts um mm-hmm. and, versus, and like so it's like he he's trying to do that here but like at the same time it's like um it, with his uh performance and everything and like the the you know control over everything You know, because like, yes, this is a win for Amanda, but at the same time, it's like, again, John's like, "Ah, I still, you know, did this whole thing and like did like kind of the overview thing. So it's like him still being like, you know, don't forget, I am still the master, you know, like Mm -hmm. kind of thing. So uh, it's 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 interesting the 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 power scaling amongst uh, the the Jigsaw troop. Yeah, mm-hmm. I
3: also don't think he's quite as frail as he's pertaining to be in this I think it, it feeds back into okay. the performance he's, he's trying he's to camp. yeah it, he's, he's, he's trying to throw Matthews like oh I'm this just meek dying man but I don't think he's I don't think the cancer's progressed quite that far yet I think he's okay. using that I think, I feel like he's using that to his advantage because everything is this power play and he is trying to get that rise out of Matthews so he is he's using his illness as a oh, get me a drink of water go on I don't quite think he's as incapacitated just yet,
0: I never even gave that a thought. I just kind of took it on good faith that that's where he was at. Okay, I did so anything about that, John kramer on yeah. good faith. That <laughs> that's a good point. That's a wonderful point, Ari. How about yourself? You mentioned you were kind of like gobsmacked when you oh, saw yeah. this.
1: All, all, all parts of it, I was just like whiplash in the best way. of Like I'm looking over hmm. here, now I'm looking over here. Um, I love that it ends in the bathroom where it all started. I think that's clever. Um, For one, just like consistency and like for the fans and you see like the rotting foot and Adam's corpse and it's just like, oh, we're back where it all began. And then it's also like we've discovered more of Saw City's world map. Like when you're in a video game and you wander to a new place and a new section of the world map appears because we learn that like, Okay, wherever this bathroom is in Saw City, above it is a house or some sort of a structure that they're, that they're also using. So you, you kind of start to get more of the geography of what Jigsaw has access to. And I think the other everything clever about the twists reminds us or like tells us going forward in the franchise to really listen to the words that Jigsaw mm-hmm. uses and like how much to hang on his every word like the guy just wants to be listened to right and also to kill people but like he he, you know your son is in a safe place like wink wink this film sets us up to watch out for that in the future so i think the the triple twist at the end i didn't guess any of it and i loved every single reveal they all made my heart jump and they sort of trick you thinking we're at the end when Xavier's cutting the back of his neck because Hello's Up starts, starts to play. music starts, right? Yeah. You're in the bathroom where it all began and ended. Hello's Up starts to play and you're like, okay, God, this is the last act. Like, what are we going to do? But then... You get it again later when it's the real reveal. So I think that's I, exciting.
0: I, love I was that. on board.
2: I love the way that they use it, like the way that they cue it up. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it's like we, we hear it creeping in during like the, the first bathroom scene. And it's like, and we're like, oh, yeah, we we it's all coming together. And then, yeah, just yes. then a second time. Bum, 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 and I'm like, yes, yeah, more. Yeah. It's
1: like when it's... a wrestler signals they're going to do their finishing <laughs> yeah. move. You know, like yes. a lot of wrestlers who have well-known finishing moves will have a way they sort of signal to the audience that it's about to begin. And that's what Hello's App feels like to me. Yeah.
2: What does Game Over it What does, does game over look like uh, if it was a wrestling move?
1: Uh, one Winged Angel.
0: Oh. little Kenny Omega. <laughs> love it. I mean, I, love I have
1: it. to. It's the greatest finisher of all time. I love mm-hmm. it. In my opinion.
0: Not the big leg or the my, stunner my okay.
1: husband just made a sound from the other room. I think he has opinions on my, the excellent
0: bring him in no. like she's gonna like let me talk to you about my favorite move um I love that stone cold Steve Austin bequeathed the stunner to Kevin Owens like that just warms my heart. yeah um, I love it when, just,
1: when you pass on a finisher I think that's
0: absolutely beautiful. adore that um. Anyway, side sorry. Note, <laughs> super quick side note: someone made a giant sign to bring to all out, uh, and it's a huge thing of like Charmin Ultra Soft with like a picture of CM Punk on it, and it like warms <laughs> my heart because what a fucking ass that dude is. Anyway, anyway, um,
1: we can do a Patreon special where we complain about CM Punk. We can
0: definitely do that. We de- I think that's an idea right there so you just brought up the layout of sauce city and that's actually a mental note I made. I need to help with the end of this movie a bit because they're clearly in like a residential home, like a crappy residential home, but a residential home. And you get this idea that like the bathroom is kind of like part of a meat packing plant. It's like where you would go to like wash off and all the sluiced meat, like it's to get clean. And they do go through like a corridor and, they don't go far because they're in an in- impaired state, but I couldn't make, it felt almost like a cheat to me. Like it didn't feel like it was the one time that it didn't feel like it was really playing fair. Yeah. Because I don't think this house can be like part of that bathroom. Yeah.
2: I mean, I was going to say, I mean, I mean, well, we, we get um, more information later about, um, you know, John's interest in real estate um but because uh, yeah this does kind of reveal uh, like a video game so we only get like a we got a little bit unclouded of saw city and it's like man yeah what a find he has here of this uh house that um has all these different like quarters and everything but but all the doors are like the reinforced steel and then on like um whenever i like watch uh, on amazon prime in the description it says these that these people are trapped in a factory um, it, you know, mm-hmm. so, and that's kind of more what that bathroom looks like. It looks more like a, like employee yeah. bathroom or something like you guys were saying in the first movie. And it, yeah. So for that to be underneath, or maybe they were in a house that was next door to a factory and then like, that are like connected underneath or something like that. Maybe, uh, yeah. Saw city mm-hmm. is, uh, an enigma, uh,
0: that, uh, we'll kind of get to map out a little bit more as uh, the films yeah. go. What are others thoughts on that? Like the idea that, so you're thinking that it wasn't actually a house. It was a factory, maybe constructed to look like a house. Like you're, they're actually trapped in a factory, not a home. I mean, you're, what are your, you,
2: you haven't watched any more of them, right? Or have you already watched them all? No, I'm, I'm all caught oh, okay. of. Well, yeah, you
3: know.
0: Okay. What are other thoughts? Does that make sense?
3: It's like, the res- it's like the Resident Evil house, isn't it, in the first Resident Evil film, where it's like a house on the top, and then mm-hmm. some weird facility underneath, I guess. Jigsaw just invested really well in, in real okay. estate, and just, you, well, he doesn't need his retirement fund anymore, well, so he can build whatever he wants. Oh, well, and he's got
2: connections so through, thinking... through his wife, so she's like, hey, I got this, like, crazy find, like, it's got this, like, weird, crazy big bathroom underneath uh you know so it's like i i don't think that it's out of the realm of possibilities because yeah like it does i think it's just like kind of maybe like made to look a little bit more like a house and like the rooms but yeah i don't think it's truly a house house it's like a maybe Mm -hmm. like an in-between like i don't know somebody that might live at where they work or something like maybe kind of in that vibe i don't know
1: for as many times as I've watched these movies, I don't understand <laughs> Saw City. And, like, mm-hmm. geography and, like, understanding where I am in the world is a huge weakness. Like, I I could not use a compass to get out of a paper bag. I have directional okay. insanity. So, but I, I've heard other people who, like, understand geography better than me say they don't really have a grasp on Saw City. So I think that might be a place where the franchise just sort of asks you to suspend yeah. your disbelief. And I accept that because they keep the timeline so perfectly tight. Like, everything Mm -hmm. they do in the timeline ends up making sense down to the facial hair on Jigsaw. Like, where we're at in the timeline here, you can tell because he has this little soul patch Mm -hmm. thing. So I just kind of hand wave at the geography and just believe it because that's what I do to get around in life anyway.
0: Got it. And it seems like Saw City is just one giant abandoned warehouse district like that's really and i think at one point they're like he's in the warehouse district And to me i'm like which one the north the east the south the west like which one are you going it's in like
2: an industrial neighborhood or something like that like uh right and and i like how they kind of do a callback to like a thing like a thing that they had to do in the first one in the first one um the the scene whenever uh like tap and sing are like driving furiously to like go like they had to they didn't get to drive do an actual driving scene so it's just like them in a fake car with like mm-hmm. everybody doing like lights and everything on the outside it's hilarious mm-hmm. the behind the scenes for that but like they do it again in this and it's like they even have a budget but yet they still do it like there's a scene where because uh that's why he misdirects them to the second house that he also has um, that just has the feed set up and everything just to misdirect them. Um, so, yeah, they have the scene of uh, uh, mm. Carrie and Riggs, like, driving furiously. And, uh, and, like, like ah. Yeah. And it's a, a funny callback. It's just like, I, I love how that's how everyone drives in Saw City. Like, uh, terrible drivers yeah. in yeah. that in that place.
0: I just think Jeff Bezos sees saw city is like a prime opportunity he's like i gotta invest in this place because like think of all the storage facilities and if the workers try to unionize we'll throw them in a reverse bear trap like
1: maybe saw Bezos. maybe it all takes place in the future after <laughs> amazon is dissolved and it's all the old amazon mm-hmm. warehouses
0: oh that would be brilliant That would. Be, that's where he got all the parts for the traps you know just lying around so we're gonna
1: find out there's time travel in Saw 10
0: That well, we kind of are time traveling back right
1: well yeah we're gonna we're gonna do a we're gonna wedge a movie in in the middle there
0: absolutely excellent so my last bit is we touched on it very briefly and I guess I'll post this to Kat and Devon because I think we talked about this a little bit in the first one but I want to get your thoughts here too Cat when Jigsaw says to Matthews, well, like, I abhor murder. Like, I don't murder <laughs> anybody. What do you feel, like, how does this come across as a defense and your thoughts on, like, the lethality, the, the lethalness of, of his games to begin with?
3: I mean, technically, he's not wrong. He does, he puts people into a, an extreme survival situation and technically there is a way out i mean they kind of feel that some of them have to be super human in order to survive it but amanda survives it she's she's a junkie and she manages to 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 Mm -hmm. get a get a way out of it so yeah i guess i guess i question my own sort of morals where i side with jigsaw a little bit because he is oh boy okay i know right um British we're weird um mm-hmm. I do because he he you know he he is kind of you know giving people a chance obviously as his apprentices take over that kind of all goes out the window but I kind of feel that Jigsaw's idea is is an interesting one and he's right he technically doesn't doesn't kill anybody and now I realize that I sound like the guy who I went to a quiz And he asked how many people um, died in Jurassic Park. And uh, he said the answer was zero, which uh, is very very inaccurate. uh, Because you literally see somebody get bitten in half by a Tyrannosaurus on the toilet. But apparently, it doesn't count as a death in the film. And I realised that I'm kind of... Yeah, I don't know. I was... I think our team still won the quiz so I wasn't as like irritated by that answer yeah, but it, it's
0: because there's also Wayne Knight who gets eaten by the But you don't
3: see because the camera pans away and you just hear the noise and that was that was his argument It's that you don't you don't see anything it's like no because it's a pg but it's heavily implied like later on they find Gennaro's remains they're like i think this was a bit of genaro yeah i think this was too yeah. but apparently not um and i kind of feel that i'm making that same argument here with john now john doesn't kill people you know the traps yeah. kill people <laughs>
0: it's now imagine John with the resources of a Jurassic Park. Like, oh gosh! You oh, know, him and, like you wake and up, Hammond
3: would just get on. Oh so well. my God!
0: Saw trapped Island trapped in a T Rex. Saw mouth. Island. You just Let's go. Would be amazing. Oh man. Do you feel cat cat? Do you in Ari, Do you feel that like the games are I like, we? I mentioned how like it's like all or nothing. Like no matter what kind of criminal you are, you're playing this game. Do you feel like the games are weighted? in a certain way where it's like worse off for some people or do they all just feel equally terrible
3: well no because if you look at i mean obviously there there is that sort of definition between like the 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 games and the traps and the trials Mm -hmm. but you look at just going back to the first film amanda in the bear trap that is her her trial and then dr gordon is given a lot more time and it's you know His thing is basically just to saw his leg off and and get Mm -hmm. out of that room or, you know, kill, kill the other person. So I don't, I definitely think there is a lot of imbalance with the way that he chooses to, uh, to test his, his victims well the Mm -hmm. first
2: in the first one all the all the trials are more personal like these are like this is one-on-one like this is one situation like in like you know this is tailored specifically to you with like details of your life and all these things you know in this one it's just like we have a random house of death traps uh and this is all to uh, you know a trial for one guy and this is because like i i mean i think it's just because the the, again with him dying he's like now kind of radicalized his his uh his message that he's going for like Mm because he's kind of he has shifted it a little bit from like what he was doing in the first one because in the first one like it is still like i mean he does say it in this one too like still the like oh you don't value life and like you don't deserve blah blah but in this one that's not what it's about this one is about specifically he goes i want to say fuck cops I want to punish you. I want to do it in this way. And like, that's literally like, you know, so this is him going bigger. It's more general, uh, you know, in the way that he is like specifically punishing uh, 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 Matthews here. And like you know, literally just like forcing him to like get the go to the violent route, like a uh, uh, they say the phone book method. Uh, I lol when he said that. Like yeah, go old school phone book method, and it's like the whole build up is to Matthews being like, ooh, 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 look at me, I'm ai just throw him around, you know. And so uh, he, he did this with a very specific message, and and it's like. And, and as far as like the technicality thing, like, uh, sorry, John, like manslaughterer doesn't have quite the ring to it. Uh, so like, yeah, you are still a murderer, <laughs> you know, yeah. like he is still like, you know, doing all these things. And it's like, uh, uh very kind of funny in that way. Cause like, again he kind of has this like kind of inflated uh idea of himself like i mean uh jim jones uh that's like him saying like hey i didn't like you know i didn't make you drink the kool aid so like uh, it's like no like you know so by proxy he's uh, still still murdering out here but at the same mm-hmm. time i'm not saying he's wrong either cuz he's not uh in this movie like this is kind of where i'm like i can 100% be like Yeah, no, I get it, man. Like, uh, you're you're kind of being wild about it, and you're being real extra about it, but uh, I get it, (laughs) you know? So, uh, yeah, it's interesting.
1: I think Jigsaw is inconsistent and selfish, and I am not a Jigsaw defender in any way. And I I love him as a villain, and I love Tobin Bell's performance of him, but um, I think he's hypocritical and (laughs) very selfish and... He tries to find ways to, he thinks of the thing he wants, and then he tries to put it in his framework and go, aha, no, see, but technically it counts because of this. It's like a spin doctor thing. So um, he's absolutely a murderer. If we read a news story about someone who locked a group of people in a house with poison gas, we wouldn't say, oh, but those people could have got out, we would say, that person murdered them and i get this is a movie like we're talking about movie lore it's a different thing um but a lot of the writing out like analysis of the saw franchise is about jigsaw's quote-unquote morality or his message or his lessons and i'm like nah man he's just a selfish guy with too much mm-hmm. money and resources and takes his personal vendettas and then says ah but it's for moral reasons and yeah. no he's inconsistent and selfish I
0: opinion. agree. I I would back that up. I would agree with that. All right. Any other thoughts before we wrap things up?
2: Yeah. No. Uh, John is a is a is a is a petty salty man, um, and I definitely you know uh, he I love getting to see the the definite evolution of you know again his message and inconsistencies and kind of going back on the things he says and like um. And uh, the way that other people interpret uh, his message as well, um, you know, so mm-hmm. I feel like this is kind of where it does plant a lot of the seeds for uh, the, the franchise going forward, uh, which is uh, very exciting, you know, because it plants the seeds. And then, like, as we kind of start going, that's when we're going to go, you know, back and forward and simultaneous movies and like, you know, all these Uh, interesting things I think are all like set up really nicely in this one and Mm -hmm. uh, so I I give it a lot of credit for that and I give it a lot of credit for you know like uh, introducing uh, Amanda and John like in such you know like uh, bombastic fashion
0: Mm -hmm.
3: yeah I just appreciate the fact that Jigsaw is looking for somebody to take over his mantle and he was quite willing to look at a woman like that's not something that Is done very often anywhere in any any room, let alone in the serial killer world. And I I appreciate that. Yeah, exactly. You know, all these other faults. You know, at least he can see a woman's worth.
0: Excellent. Excellent. All right, that is our discussion. Oh, sorry, Ari, do you have anything?
1: No, I mean, I think we really yeah. did it with this one. Um, it's one of my least favorites in the franchise, and I still have an awesome time with it.
0: Yeah. So that is our discussion on Saw Two. I think we've nailed it. I think we can put this one to bed. But before we sign off, let's talk about where folks can find us and what we're working on. And Kat, what do you, are you working on over at Ghouls and THN?
3: so uh my daughter is about to start school so uh i'm hoping to get a lot more involved uh with with goals i'm gonna have actual brain time to think of stuff that i want to write and time to write it Uh, i've just come off of covering fright fest uh for thn Mm -hmm. so um uh, i think i need a week to like recuperate and eat vegetables because that is uh not what I did while I was at my best. Um, but in terms of uh, future writing, I've got another piece coming out uh, for Arrow to do with the 30th anniversary of uh, True Romance, uh, which Ooh. I'm really excited about getting to write because I love that film. And uh, the end of October, Second site are releasing uh, the Ginger Snaps trilogy uh, in, in Blu-ray format. And I have an essay in that, which I... Um, so excited about because i grew up obsessed with ginger snaps
0: excellent any highlights over uh at fright for us this year
3: there's a lot uh a lot of good stuff uh there's one called new life by john rossman which i would just suggest just watching on don't read anything at all because okay. it's a fi- it's a film that's something until it's not that and it's something else um So really enjoyed that one. There's uh, one that played as part of the first Blood Strand uh, set in Yorkshire by a director called Chris Cronin called The Moor and that is a really creepy blend of true crime, found footage and supernatural elements. Uh, That one's kind of really, really dug under the skin and Suitable Flesh, uh, which opened Fright Fest but has also played at Tribeca and is going to be at Fantastic Fest. It's a a loving homage to Stuart Gordon from Joe Lynch Mm -hmm. featuring Barbara Crampton, Heather Graham, Judah Lewis and and Graham Skipper, Uh, an adaptation of H.P. Lovecraft's The Thing on the Doorstep, but completely brought up to modern times with some gender swapping of roles. And it's very horny, which as we all know, cinema is sexless at the moment. And this really injects it in a, in a big way. So yeah, I think they're my sort of top highlights.
0: Excellent. I look forward to checking those out. Ari, what do you got cooking?
1: Oh, yes. So, um, you can find me at Ari underscore Hellraiser on all the socials and check out my writing on Ghouls Magazine. September at Ghouls is slasher focused. And so I have an article coming up soon that is, I think, 13. I wrote it a while ago. Um, But it's 13 slasher films that I think are not your typical slasher films. They have something unique going on about them. And I really tried hard to put at least like this is my challenge to you, dear listener, if you read my list. I tried to put on a film, at least one film you'd never seen and hopefully one you'd never heard of. So if you are interested in like some deep cut slashers, I try to provide that for you later this month.
0: Excellent. Excellent. And Kat, I forgot to ask, where can folks follow you at?
3: Uh, So on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd, I am at Gizmo Shikari, which is a mashup of my cat's names. And I've also made it to the Blue Sky, where I am just plain boring,
0: kathughes.bsky.social. Excellent. Devon, what's going on with the Spectre Cinema Film Club?
2: Uh, Yeah, on Spectre Cinema Club, we just wrapped up a, a whole month on aquatic horror Um, which was super fun, capped off with an episode uh, exclusively on sharks and alligators and crocodiles. Uh, Super fun. And uh, now we're heading uh, to South Korea for uh, celebrating uh, Bong Joon-ho's birthday month. So uh, we have a banger of a lineup for South Korean horror. Very excited to get into that. Uh, We do new episodes every Tuesday with my buddy, Gary McDowell. And, uh, you can find me on, uh, social media at underscore daddy disco, uh, that includes a letterbox and, uh, and, uh, I caved in and I'm doing TikToks now, uh, so over at Spectre Cinema doing, uh, doing some fun videos, some, like, ranking videos and lists and things like that, and, you know, having some fun over there. And, um, and I just, uh, had my first Dread Central article, uh, doing a, uh, 25-year anniversary for Blade, which was, uh, inspired by my psychoanalysis, uh, episode. So, uh, go listen to that episode and then go read that article.
1: That was a Excellent. great read, Devon.
0: Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. We need to add blade to the wheel. Blade to the wheel. Yes. Blade to the wheel. Yeah, blades going on the wheel. Potential to cover that next year. Mm. So yeah. listeners, you can find me over in Blueski at Mike Snoonian. You can find me at letterbox at Mike Chump Change and on Instagram at uh, Mike underscore and Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the pod and the pendulum everywhere you get your podcast. That goes a long way to new listeners going and discovering and finding us. Uh, if you like what you heard today cons- and you have the means to do so, consider becoming a patron where we have a ton of bonus content going up. I have two pieces. I just got to put the final touches on for editing that should be up Uh, Within a day or two of this going up where we have the commentary we recorded a long time ago on Sharknado and I just fell behind editing and then Rachel and I with just Ari and I talking a little bit about Sharknado and a lot about everything else that was on our mind. And then Rachel and I did about two hours on Charles Bronson and Death Wish. So if you can consider becoming a patron, go to patreon.com slash pod and the pendulum. That would mean a ton to us. Here's what we have coming up. Like, we'll be back next week. Like, basically, it's going to be a run all the way through Sauce City. We're running a marathon through it now through the end of it looks like october early november i think is when we'll be wrapping up uh so we have some really fun stuff planned for the next nine weeks um by the time we get to the midway point of this we'll probably have all seen saw 10 and then we're reporting our th- thoughts on it uh, at the end uh so yeah looking forward to talking this i really like saw three i'm that so excited one of the highlights so that should be a really fun one to enjoy and we'll be back in a week with that so thanks a lot take care y'all
1: game over